you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! A major gathering in Skopje on Sunday, April 25, brought out tens of thousands of Macedonians to protest the government of Zoran Zaev with a call for early elections. It was not organized on behalf of any one political party, but on behalf of Macedonians, fed up with four years of incompetent, scandalous government that has given away Macedonia's name, identity, culture, history, and much more. Just before that protest, however, it emerged that Radmila Shekarinska, the Minister of Defense and powerful Vice President of Zayev's party, Sidasum, would not be standing for election again at the upcoming party congress. Does she know something about the fate of, the Z- of Zayev and his government? Is she bailing out of a sinking ship? We'll discuss all of this and much more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Biko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetin Chalimanov in Skopje, Macedonia. Svetin, we forced Larry Butler, the former <laughs> United States ambassador to the Republic of Macedonia, off of Twitter. That is, um, that's, like that's a, a... Persona non grata a, on Twitter now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, listeners might remember that we, we uh, in our last uh, episode, this is episode 111, we're recording this on... Tuesday, the 27th of April, so it'll drop tomorrow on Wednesday. But on our last episode, 110, which was about 10 days ago, I think, we were um, talking about Butler and, and other former ambassadors. And, and, and we got on, we got into a, you and me both, Svetin, got into a, a kind of a tussle with, with Butler. Actually, I should say he started it because I, I had posted yeah, some I of my be. flag pictures from the bottom of the Grand Canyon from a recent hike. And I had the, uh, the, the Macedonian flag, the Star of Kutlish, uh, uh, there at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, posted that. And and he made a snide comment. He said, what flag is this? Is this the Hungarian flag? Mm. Uh, obviously, he knows something, you know, about me, about you and, and follow. So you made a nice snide, appropriately snide comment. And then I chimed in with a snide comment. And then we went back and forth a couple of times on, on various things. Um, he admitted that he was almost fired by George Bush, uh, the president at the time, mm-hmm. for uh, his screw up in Macedonia. Uh, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. He deactivated his account. And you and I, before we started recording, were kind of lamenting the fact that it was fun to, to go at it with him simply because he was so incompetent, yeah, kind of like the government of Zoran Zayev. What's that? Yeah, he was not very good, not very uh, thought through. He, he's like, he was like a reply guy, just a few uh, followers, and uh, he would uh, reply to other people, mostly about uh, Russia and uh, 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 you know, punching on uh, conservatives uh, in the U.S. and now, you know, against Macedonians uh, uh, with this really needlessly provocative, uh, uh, personally personal-sounding comments about the Macedonian mm. flag, which Macedonia was forced to to change uh, under pressure from Greece. And uh, now, you know, wh- why would he be applauding this development? It's really wh- what what would he have as uh, to gain from uh, you know, undermining Macedonian identity uh, even so long after he was here, an ambassador here and did so, so much damage to the country. Um, 
I mean, if they paid him then, uh, whoever it was, our neighboring countries or circles in Macedonia and uh, the intelligence community, I mean, how much do they pay him to, to keep working at it? But what was really strange and surprising in these exchanges is that eventually he, he endorsed socialism, I think, in one of your tweets. Uh, uh, you were warning about the dangers of socialism, and he started with all this canard that uh, Germany, Sweden, all these great countries, they are socialists, and therefore socialism is good, which, you know, just tells you all you need to know about the type of ambassadors which are being sent to uh, by the U.S. to various countries, even by conservative you know, he was here, he would say, I'm sent here by the Bush administration. So I'm, uh, let's say, a Republican appointee. So, you know, I'm uh, on the conservative side. But even we conservatives are telling you that, you know, your conservative party is no good. This was often used by uh, his carbon copy by Jess Bailey uh, during the color revolution period. And now he's all out socialist. Right. And this just tells you about the depth of the problem you have in uh, in, the, in the foreign service. Eventually, I responded that you know his father was killed fighting communism in Vietnam and fought in Korea mm. before, and he's a, you know obviously proud of this. And you can sure. see there is like a memorial center in their town in Maine, and uh, uh, he's engaged with it. But uh, you know that's quite a law, quite a detour from a, a colonel killed fighting communists in East Asia to, you know, a son who's also a military man and a diplomat endorsing socialism, even even mm. like in this light version, like, no, but I like the Swedish style of socialism, as if you could, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's really... Well, yeah, and it's it's worth repeating that uh, you, you make a good point, even though he was appointed under George Bush, Republican president, the State Department is a is a monolith, a leviathan unto its own. It is, it, he was career, Jess's career. All the ambassadors sent to Macedonia are career. About one-third of, about two-thirds of U.S. ambassadors around the world are career, meaning they go through the Foreign Service and spend 30, 25, 30, 35 years in it and work their way up the ranks. About a third of them are actually appointed by the president, uh, whoever the president is, whichever party, and it's based on patronage, basically. How much money did they raise, you know, et cetera. And that's just the system we've had for a long time here. But ambassadors to Macedonia are career. Uh, and so the, I call it the Borg within the State Department has its own mindset. And it's all about uh, their own careers, etc. It's not about U.S. interests. It's not about even the party in power, whichever, whether that's Democrat or Republican. Uh, they have their own way of doing things. And, and uh, it doesn't really matter what, um, what the president says or, or even the... Um, even the the, uh, the Secretary of State at any given time. So anyway, we forced him off Twitter. Um, now, now, how do we go after the others? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Jess Bailey on Twitter. He's keeping a low profile, except for that one podcast he did. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, probably smart on his part to do that to, to remain. Well, this guy, he was not visible much here, Butler as well. I mean, the damage he was doing to Macedonia, the open partisanship in favor of ASDSM, it was. Like what, uh, in 2002, 2003, it's, jeez, uh, yeah. uh, it's like 20 years ago. And uh, yeah, we'll see how long it will take for Bailey to resurface. Yeah, well, we'll find him. Um, I think we know where he lives, basically. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so, oh, okay, so let's, let's, let's start. Let's start with the monologue. Um, first, there was a protest on Sunday, Palm Sunday in Macedonia. This upcoming mm -hmm. Sunday in Macedonia and amongst many Orthodox countries is Easter Sunday. So uh, 
we will uh, we will wish all of our listeners and, and Macedonians and other Orthodox out there a blessed Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, but before that, Palm Sunday, you had a protest. What was it like? Tell us. It was a great crowd. It was uh, tens of thousands of people. Uh, obviously, with the corona and uh, other considerations, it would have been much... Uh, um, it was, would have been bigger, you know, if it was not for the corona. There was not much uh busing of people from across the country there was a lot uh, i think from prelep uh, and other places who have uh, because this was a protest for the political prisoners and this include people mm. like Yana Chinto who is from prelep and you know it's a cause very uh uh dear and important to many people there so but it was not like uh, a usual political rally when you have uh, like a huge uh you know, buses from both entrances, main entrances to the city, like uh, uh, tens and tens of buses bringing people in. So it was a lot of just Skopje people. And, um, you know, uh, we had uh, Durlovsky and Andriana Janevska performing the national anthem, which was a pointed, poignant moment. And, uh, um, yeah, it was a real solid uh, show of uh, uh, force and of anger at the the Zayev regime, you could tell a lot of people from the Zayev side were really angry and uh, annoyed with the, with the protest uh, by the really dirty personal way they were commenting about it on social media. Um, and um, so the demand was to release the, it's like 16 people from uh, the protesters side and from the uh, police, uh, the interior minister officials like Mitko Chavkov. Mm-hmm. Uh, who were sentenced uh, from 7 to 18 years in prison, I think is the highest, uh, for uh, protesting, participating in the protest. And uh, the policemen, the officers are are sentenced for not doing enough, allegedly, to prevent the protest. And everybody had terrorism slapped on their Mm. charge to make it more dramatic and to make it less likely that President Ivanov will be able to pardon them. And obviously the... The case has been, you know, it's uh, been uh, manipulated on several sides. So it was used to blackmail uh, free members of parliament from Vimara who were also charged to vote in favor of the name change. These are the votes Zayev badly needed to change the name of the country. And immediately these people were pardoned and were and became, uh, you know, politicians in good standing with the U.S. embassy who would invite them like they would meet Philip Ricker, etc., uh, even though they were charged with terrorism just uh, like months before the meeting. <laughs> so, you know, it just tells you how ludicrous and how petty and, uh, um, you know, made up the charges were. At most, you know, several of the people could have been charged with uh, uh, serious bodily harm, uh, bodily injury of one member of parliament who was the only person who was really injured. Everything else which is added, uh, like terrorism, attempting to undermine the constitutional order of the country, uh, the type of uh, media propaganda which accompanied the charges and um, you know, not taking into consideration that the crowd was provoked by years of political crisis deliberately stoked by SDSM and uh, the U.S. Embassy and, and SDSM protesters and the Albanian politicians, then uh, uh, that um, you know, the plans which were announced by the Zayev government, which by Zayev, which uh, who was you know at that day in, on April twenty seventh, two 
2017 mm. about to appoint a new speaker of parliament and uh, <clears throat> which would have then led to the creation of the government and would have put his plan in motion that everything he announced was deeply rejected by the majority of the country including the name change and uh, continued concessions to Albanians and uh, uh, Greeks which undermined the Macedonian nation-state character of the country so all of this provoked the people and the direct provocation which was the decision by Zayev to hold a vote for a new speaker while the people, the protesters, were in front of the parliament, practically goading them in. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the fact that we now know that Zayev has already been in talks with uh, Sasha Mialkov, the former security chief, who uh, was likely deeply involved in or- the organization of the protests and uh, of the incident. Uh, so, you know, it's all... Uh, now coming, uh, it, it was coming apparent home. then, but it's now all clear that it was a staged incident, it was an uh, orchestrated uh, incident to make, obviously, the, to provoke the right into reacting, to possibly plant people within the crowd, um, who would then withdraw, who, who were masked and then not charged, uh, to make maximum political gain for Zaev and his side, who were made uh, the victims, uh, like, look at these poor uh, reformers and fighters against corruption who were beaten in their parliament by nationalist mobs. All, all of this is now, you know, clear that, you know, given the levels of corruption on the part of on the side of Zayev, given what he's doing to the country, uh, I mean, it's all clear that uh, uh, the case was the, the the incident was orchestrated, and not to mention the the repeat which we saw in the U.S. Capitol. I mean, this is obviously now a, a pattern, a plan which is being used in different countries uh, for the similar political purpose. So the people in prison are really uh, victims of uh, a staged process. And uh, just the fact that, you know, three of the defendants were pardoned after voting for the name change is enough to, uh, to consider the entire case completely tainted and have them released. So... This is why the people were out protesting on almost the anniversary of the of the incident. And another demand which was made, uh, so the, the rally was organized by diaspora organ- groups, not by the political parties here, but it was supported by Vamura. Afterwards, uh, Levitz and other smaller parties joined in declaring uh, support. The Vamura leader Mitskovsky was there and most of the you know party leadership. And another demand was added. Uh, so practically one demand is the release of the prisoners through a retrial, through a new trial, mm-hmm. which was, you know, a courtesy given even to the Islamist killers from the Good Friday massacre from 2012. Uh, and uh, another demand was to have early general elections in October when we have <coughs> municipal elections. So not just to release the prisoners, but also to begin dismantling the, the regime which imprisoned them and abused them like this. Right. Well, that's a that's an excellent summary. Good recap. Um, as you were talking about that, it reminded me of um, you know, Solzhenitsyn, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's famous um, writings and how he always talked about Article 58 of the Soviet Union, that basically they would just use that anti-state activities and slap that on anybody for anything and throw them yeah. in the gulag for another 10 years. Uh, actually, Baptists, literally Baptists would get 25 years um, because the Soviet Stalin really hated Baptists for some reason. Uh, there aren't too many Baptists in Macedonia, but there are some. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know there are many in Russia either. 
<laughs> well, actually, yeah, especially back then. Uh, probably more today. Seriously. Sure. But, uh, yeah. I always actually, that was more like a Southern American thing. I never knew that. Well, yeah, but, but you know, they're, they proselytize, as all good, uh, mm-hmm. as, as Christians are, 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 are told, are, are you know, are, it, it encouraged to do uh, by Jesus Christ himself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, actually, one of the characters, I just reread uh, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. Which was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Solzhenitsyn's breakout book that made him famous even you know, even before the Gulag Archipelago, and one of the characters in that was a Baptist. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, anyway, um, that was just I was that was all going through my head as you were talking about this. Uh, so we got the, we have you know tens of thousands of Macedonians that actually showed up. Who knows how many more obviously wanted to participate but couldn't. It was Palm Sunday. People were at home with families, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Uh, clearly, we know that. Hundreds of thousands of Macedonians are fed up with this government, uh, the scandals, the fact that, that Zayev and his partner, Achmeti, have given away Macedonia's name, identity, culture, history, and so much more. Uh, I saw something in the news this week that the, uh, the Minister of Education is, is looking to actually get rid of physical textbooks and replace them with uh, electronic, digital Mm-hmm. Uh, versions so that they can be more easily changed and updated according to yeah. whatever con- whatever local country around you is asking for for new changes in in Macedonia's history, um, and uh, you know the ongoing scandals that we've talked about in the past, whether it's the, the Ministry of Interior handing out passports like candy to not only just Macedonian mobsters and criminals mm-hmm. but regional others, Turkish and yeah. and, and and others, uh, the drug issue. Uh, we got the DEA kind of looking at Zayev, et cetera, um, which leads me to this next part, which I mentioned in the monologue, and that's Radmila Shekarinska, who's currently the Minister of Defense, uh, Vice President of uh, Sirisum, the, the party of Zoran Zayev, the, the former, the, formerly the League of Communists of Macedonia before 1991, which I always enjoy pointing mm. out. Uh, she's Vice President of the party. Party Congress, says I think, is in June, May, June, and she's not going to run again. Is that correct? Yeah, she's not going to run uh, as Zayev's uh, first deputy and vi- vice president of the party. What does there she know others? that we don't? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really it was a really political earthquake. She still hasn't announced whether she's leaving the government, where she's also deputy prime minister and defense minister, and she's not explaining her decision here, except you know, like huh. mundane stuff like we need fresh blood, uh, change. I need to spend more time guys. with the family. Yeah, <laughs> poor family in that case. <laughs> Her poor husband. I mean, really, I yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't want to be that guy. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so she practically, you know, Islam is an extremely effet and uh, uh, self-important uh, party, and uh, people like Zaf, you know, they would openly consider them peasants and rural and un- unworthy of, uh, you know, being in their company. Um, you know, they're the party of uh, directors of state institutions and mm. uh, university professors and communist party leaders and, you know, their children of diplomats, ambassadors and secret service uh, uh, people and the Yugoslav army officers. And, you know, Zaf is like a peasant uh, idiot who was selling cucumbers to Serbia. They would completely not, uh, you know, endorse him and... Uh, uh, include him in the party, were it not for Shakarinska, who is like the the queen bee of this urban part of the party, the urban wing, the Skopje wing of the party. So she endorsed him. She said, okay, it's fine. He's with me. And, uh, you know, he has money and uh, 
he's useful, you know, while we reveal all these uh, wiretaps about Gruevsky, if somebody's going to prison, I'm not, I don't want to be that person. You don't know how Gruevsky is going to respond when we start publishing the wiretaps. So, you know, he was a very convenient uh, shield for her. Uh, but, uh, you know, now he's seriously taking over the party with money, with uh, introducing his own people who are like him, come from smaller towns, uh, not comfortable in Skopje, not comfortable in the Skopje circles, but, you know, completely loyal to Zaev and uh, prone to corruption. People like Ljubča Nikolovsky, Oliver Spasovsky, and, uh, you know, people from Strumica, like Kosta Kostadin, uh, Kostadinov, what's his name? And, um, you know, this really rubs the urban wing uh, wrong, and Zaev managed to remove a number of people from this wing, like uh, Renata Deskovska, like uh, Damian Manchevsky, who were ministers in his first government, they're no longer there. Uh, some of them, like uh, Vinko Filipče, like he looks like the urban, you know, <laughs> prestigious local person, but he's now a Skopje person, but he's now best friends with Zaev, going on this uh, middle... Rides. Midlife crisis, motorcycle rides. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mila Tsarovska, she's like the urban Soros wing person, but she's uh, more like uh, a person unto herself, uh, uh, not really a party person, but more coming from the NGO sector. Right. So And from the banking sector, like she's close to Harry Kostov and this wing. So it's not, yeah, this particular group of people around Shekerinska, and some of them split from the party even before, like the people who were close to Branko Tsarvenkovsky, who is now openly in opposition to Zaev, like Gordon Georgiev, Zoran Yovanovsky. These are people who were considered as party leader material, Andrei, Dr. Andrei Petrov. They are all out and very critical of Zaev at this point. Uh, and uh, so a big portion of the Skopje wing split. Uh, to be replaced with uh, strange hybrids or uh, just rural loyalists of Zaev. And uh, now Shekerinska is, is leaving. And um, mm. who knows? I mean, and as we discussed the previous episode, it was very clear that she's attacking Zaev through her media outlets. She actually arranged, I mean, it's media outlets close to Shekerinska who performed a hit job on... Uh, Draghi Rashkovsky, Zayev advisor, the publication of all the right. details about uh, one of the many corruption scandals he was involved in, the smallest, the least financially consequential, but enough to land him in prison. He was uh, put in house arrest. Afterwards, he was sent to actual prison, to detention. So, uh, and this was done, you know, on one hand, it's strange that the prosecutors and the judges defied Zayev in this way. It never happened before. Like, uh, if we consider the days of the April 27 trial, you know, whatever Zaev wanted, Zaev got. Whatever demand he made of the judiciary, it was uh, accomplished. And now, you know, all of a the sudden, these same prosecutors and judges are uh, defenestrating his top advisor and uh, putting in prison, in detention, a person who, uh, you know, the driver of his cousin uh, who mm. was caught smuggling, you know, transporting a huge quantity, a large quantity of marijuana from Zaev's farm. So on one hand, there is obvious rebellion in uh, uh, the judiciary, in media outlets who are exceptionally loyal to SDSM. They're suddenly publishing 
details about uh, allegations about uh, Rashkovsky. Even today there is something new in this outlet, uh, 360 degrees, they're reporting additional details about Rashkovsky. Like, who were the people who were involved with him, that they were also on the government payroll. I mean, nothing major as, as a scandal, but still, you know, the fact that they're still pushing at this uh, after the same media outlet was silenced for dozens of serious crimes in the previous years and uh, the fact that Shekirinsky is leaving just ahead of the municipal elections and potentially general elections, you know, this is all, something is up, something is happening in the part. Hmm. Well, that's a very good summary. Uh, and I guess we will have to see you know, how this develops. We'll keep monitoring it. These little details that keep coming out, grip, grip, grip about ongoing scandals, past scandals, future scandals. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see on, on that. But obviously, you're right. Something is up, and uh, we'll continue to, to watch that. Um, let's and switch. Shikrinsky is making a point of uh, being seen with the U.S. ambassador. So that's, <laughs> that's also interesting. She was with her yesterday for another of their visits to the Krivolak Army Range, which is... Yeah. Uh, they're building this and that, and uh, they're actually announcing miles of roads built in Krivolak and... Uh, uh, what I think they even mentioned like a railway. They're building like a railway. Well, is this uh, there, and they're gonna blow it up. No, no, in Krivo, oh. like in the army range. So they're so Serbia is construct, constructing right. a proper railway from Belgrade to the border with Macedonia, and they actually had an offer from China, which owns the port in Athens, which right. wanted to build like a very fast uh, cargo lane from Athens through Skopje through Belgrade, Budapest. Uh, and, you know, use the ports uh, on the Danube there. Right. <laughs> and uh, and now Serbia leveraged this and went to the EU and said, okay, you don't want Chinese influence here, obviously. Can you make <laughs> us a better offer? And apparently they did. So they're getting, but only the section through Serbia, not Macedonia. Zaf is okay. not smart enough and doesn't have leverage or doesn't have a Chinese counter offer to, to play with uh, against the, with the Europeans. So the, the Serbs said, okay, we're getting, like, you won't believe when you hear the terms of the contract. It's amazing. It's a game changer for the country. Uh-huh. Well, meanwhile, Shekerinsky is building, like, five miles of uh, railway uh, for tactical training, you know, purposes. Like, so sappers can uh, practice blowing it up or, or something like that, and drones can shoot at it. <laughs> and, she, and every few days she posts a picture of her building this in Krivolak and that in Krivolak, like when Gryevsky would announce her building roads and... Uh, highways and whatever across the country, which people are actually going to use. Shekerinsky is, is similarly announcing not insignificant mileage of roads being built in this deserted part of the country, which is used for target practice. And she's right. going there with the ambassador every other day to to uh, review the construction It's uh, and, the blo- and, and afterwards the demolition. It's really... Well. <laughs> We, you know, we, we've always talked about how we, we always thought Nikola Dimitrov was the only one in the government who was smart enough and savvy enough and cultured enough to, you know, once the government falls, to get a job with the, the Americans, the EU, mm-hmm. you know, whoever. Maybe that's what it sounds like that's what Chekhodinska is trying to do. She, she knows the end is near, and so she's cozying up to the gringos and uh, mm-hmm. looking, for, looking for her ticket out of there, you know, uh, who's going to offer her a job, maybe Brookings or the Atlantic Council or... Or somebody else. Um, that's probably what it is. Uh, uh, she's mentioned like she w- would like to go as ambassador to Washington. This was, you know, we had Fershkovsky Fritsch- mentioned right. for this position, and then he was next. apparently the U.S. Maybe Shekerinska, you know, 
had the U.S. refused uh, uh, his candidacy so she can go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it would be a nice way out for her, but it would just, you know, push Zayev even deeper into trouble because uh, they, they were like uh, two almost equal shareholders. I mean, there's a a long a, a person who split from the party long ago, Sofia Kunovska, she says, you know, we were told initially that the agreement is 54, uh, 55-45 uh, split mm. uh, in office positions, like uh, government positions, members of parliament. So the Skopje wing got Pendarovsky like president, but they lo- lost badly in the selection of uh, members of parliament. And they're losing now in ministers and... Uh, like all public, uh, you know, this plush uh, postings. So, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's a big deal if, if she's really out of the party and uh, her wing becomes hostile to that. Den of or thieves? At least uninterested in it. Yeah, Den of Thieves, yeah. Ship of Fools. Maybe that's her uh, title. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on with the, um, as Zayev calls it in, in his, in his uh, delightful uh, English? accent, uh, English language way of saying it, the wax sign effort. Um, yeah. You got any, uh, did you get another 50 or so people vaccinated this week? Uh, well, it's like a... Not 50,000, 50. 50. <laughs> no, well, I think we're actually close to 50,000 in total, wow. or maybe even 55. Wow. Uh, okay. And uh, and plus about 15,000 in Serbia. Okay. Uh, so there is like a trickle of vaccines now. They, they were on the verge of running out again uh, because there is like a few ta- capacity for a few thousand people to get vaccinated uh, daily in uh, Skopje and uh, it maybe a thousand across the country in uh, uh, all the cl- smaller clinics, etc. Et and uh, I think they're kind of like meeting the, the target. Uh, they were about to run out from the va- uh, for, uh, on the stockpile uh, uh, last week, but then I think about 10,000 Pfizer vaccines came. There is no, no steady supply. Like the, we have some Sputniks, we have some Pfizer, some AstraZeneca. Uh, the members of parliament were supposed to get uh, Pfizer's and then uh, uh, everybody rebelled. Like people were uh, shouting at them on uh, Facebook, like some, some of you are young and you waited until the Pfizer vaccines came. Uh, and it's like a small quantity, like 10,000. So it's not enough for everybody. And you are now pushing to the front of the line. So the minister switched them, made a switcheroo and gave them uh, Sputniks. Hmm. <laughs> so members of parliament were angry at this, shouting at the minister <laughs> during the vaccination. So there is still public fighting, even between, like, let's say, government insiders for the vaccines. But uh, uh, it's going along. I mean, people are elderly are being invited to get vaccinated, like teachers and doctors, but the numbers are still horrific. So after the uh, cafes were closed, uh, the number of new cases has dropped noticeably. So it was like 1,500 a day. Now it's like uh, 400, uh, 500 a day. Mm -hmm. But we still have like the built-in number of active cases from from the peak of uh, infection. So we have still have a huge death rate like it's like mm. uh, 30 people die practically every day uh, that that's a lot that's a very high number for the during, we were even doing some math here this morning uh, so india is now the worst off right? right it's the worst case in the whole world and they they would report like 2600 deaths a day mm-hmm. on a population of 1.3 billion okay I, i'm sure they don't 
count. They don't test every death, etc. But still, uh, and we have like one point six seven million, mm -hmm. like what's it uh, like a thousand times less? Never mind. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was being charitable. I gave them five hundred more population. I counted mm -hmm. Macedonia two million, India at a, uh, roughly uh, rounded at a billion. So. We're still having like a like thirty deaths in Macedonia, on a population of one point seven million. It's leagues more than uh, oh, yeah. twenty six hundred in India. Yeah, yeah. I actually I did the I did the maths the other day, but comparing it with the U.S. and the number of deaths here and the size of the country, etc. The census, our census, just came out yesterday. Uh -huh. Three hundred and thirty one million people. Um, mm -hmm. Macedonia's census will come out in twenty fifty two, I believe. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, the, the maths that I did, there would be the equivalent of 800,000 people dying, roughly, which is, you know, we've had, I think, 565,000 deaths. In total? Deaths in total, right, yeah. If, okay, like... If you were the same size, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like 4,600 yeah, in Macedonia deaths yeah, so far, yeah. It's just, it's just it is horrific. Um, yeah, we have a stupendously high number of deaths. Yeah. Whether the doctors are not treating people well... Uh, you know, the lack of vaccines, general, you know, public health, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, I mean, you know, pre-vaccine, it's it's a combination of, of, of various things. Um, not all of the fault can be laid at the feet of the government, obviously. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, but, but certainly the government is entirely responsible for its failure to secure uh, enough vaccines early mm -hmm. on. And it is just, I think, only Bosnia and Kosovo are uh, lagging behind Macedonia, um, which actually yeah. is a nice segue into this. Uh, we talked a little bit before we, we started recording. Alban Kurti, the um, prime minister, mm -hmm. the ostensible prime minister of Kosovo, uh, tweeted out quite proudly that he voted in the Albanian elections, the elections in the <laughs> Republic of Albania. He's the prime yeah. minister of Kosovo. He voted in the elections <laughs> in Albania, and he he tweeted it out saying that, you know, I'm proudly, I'm a dual citizen and so I can do this, and yada, yada, yada. Talk about a bonehead, tone yeah. deaf, moron, idiot. Okay, he's a dual citizen, but to have the prime minister of one country voting for elections in another country, especially when his, one of his claim to, claims to fame is that he talks incessantly about wanting to see the reunification of Albania mm -hmm. and Kosovo. I yeah. mean... You, you want to improve relations with Serbia? You want to improve relations with Macedonia? You want to improve relations with all your neighbors? You want to improve your own relations with the powers that be in the European Union and the United States of America, etc.? That is not a way to do it, buddy. Um, yeah. It's just kind of... And, and to me, what this means, frankly, is that he's immature. Uh, he, he doesn't have the maturity to be the prime minister of a country. Uh, he doesn't have the, the maturity to be a leader of any, anything. Um, he just needs to go back into the NGO sector, wherever it is he came from. Um, yeah, but but Yansha is the problem. Is the threat to the yeah, security yeah, of the exactly, region, not, yes. not yeah, not the greater Albania propagandists. I mean, uh, they had I think that's like the, uh, forty-five. For, for listeners, sorry, for listeners that may not know, that's that's Yanis Yansha, the prime minister of Slovenia. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, allegedly the person plotting to to break up the Balkans, <laughs> Balkan countries. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, there is like uh, I think they had like a forty-five percent turnout in Albania. That's about the same which we have uh, in uh, parts in Macedonia, which are largely Albanian. But even there, 
the the uh, the, the rate would be even lower because uh, we still have like 20 30 50 percent Macedonians in even in parts which are like nominally Albanian in Macedonia so that's propping up the number uh, Albanians are now by now notorious for having two three four five passports like they would have a Serbian passport for uh, being in you know formerly Kosovo citizens mm -hmm. or having some links to South Serbia parts which still have like an Albanian population sure. they would have a Kosovo Albanian passport a Macedonian passport and uh, a passport in Switzerland or Germany I mean not all of them obviously not uh, uh, but uh, this is becoming a, a rampant uh, uh, situation in the region and yeah, in the census, like Albania is nominally what three point something million, and mm -hmm. only half of, barely half of the people vote. Which and in Macedonia, in the majority Macedonian parts, you would have like seventy percent turnout. So this would be, uh, on paper, it would be a sparsely populated region. It is sparsely populated, but uh, you know everybody who is counted, on paper, actually lives there. While we have, on paper, we have densely populated parts of the country in the west around the Albanian, uh, Albanian villages, etc. But in reality, uh, you know, it's dual, triple citizen, citizenship owners who either live in Germany, in Switzerland, in Kosovo, but still are listed, uh, are counted as Macedonian uh, citizens and even residents. It's, uh, it's a huge mess here. Yeah, well, that is, that is an issue that, is, as you mentioned, is going to grow and continue to be a problem that's going to have to be addressed at some point. Um, but yeah, there were elections in Albania. Looks like uh, Eddie Rama, the socialist prime minister, um, is, uh, is going to, his party is going to actually get over the threshold of 71 seats in the 140-seat mm. uh, unicameral parliament, uh, which is unfortunate for Albania and for the region. But Bulgaria, too, you know, they had elections last month, and they still haven't formed a government. And, of course, that has direct and immediate implications for Macedonia. Uh, so Boyko Borisov, uh, the prime minister, leader of Garb, uh, couldn't form a government. They handed it off to – so the president uh, handed the mandate to um, uh, Slavi Trifonov. Oh, yeah. Of there is a people. I think that's the name of his new party. There is such a yeah, people. Imatak of Narod. Yeah, there is such a people. <laughs> there is such a I, I think people. it's something – the strangest name, but uh, anyway, I think it's some um, something, uh, some quip from his show or something. Yeah, former know. rock star, TV personality, etc. Um, uh, Trumpian character. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he can't form a government. So now the mandate goes to whoever the third third uh, uh, party yeah. is. They got the, the third largest number of votes. Bottom line, I think, is that I think everybody agrees, and the pundits that I've been reading uh, have said that. Bulgaria is going to go to early elections or repeat elections, I guess, sometime within the next two months, so early July or something like that. But of course, all that means is that you know whatever the EU and all of its quote unquote wisdom—I'm using air quotes here—you um, know wants to try and get Bulgaria and Macedonia to agree to whatever it is they want to agree to ain't going to happen because there's no government in Bulgaria. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, in, in Albania, it's clear the U.S. ambassador is driving the. The matters and uh, uh, to the point that the president was openly shouting at the U.S. ambassador that for her interference, hmm. you know, in Bulgaria still uh, the, the embassy still hasn't decided <laughs> who to nominate. I think the feeling, the, the sense was that uh, 
Borisov wanted a trifun of this Trumpian guy to like commit to forming a government and mm -hmm. maybe try and fail or just taint himself with a little bit of politicking uh, because he says like it's easy to, for you to comment from like your TV show, try <laughs> doing it for real. Right. And I guess Trifunov uh, refused this and Borisov is now poking him, saying you're a coward, etc. Uh, but I guess he imagines that it's better for him to go to early elections and maybe win even more with them, uh, you know, maybe actually actually win the elections. He actually he lost the election. He just got very close to Borisov. Maybe now surpass Borisov's numbers, and then uh, form a government. So, um, but yeah, we have nobody to uh, negotiate with at the moment. And uh, whether you know a technocratic government, which is now being prepared, can by default approve Macedonia just to open accession talks, but then on the promise that. The next first next political government will block us, or by default, the the decision to, that we are blocked remains in place, while there is a political government. We, we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure how much, how strongly, the U.S. the EU will push Bulgaria and some hapless uh, technocratic <laughs> placeholder prime minister to decide on this issue. I mean, we we've hoped we had similar situations with the Greeks in the past. Right. Where they would have like uh, the Troika government, like this bankruptcy administration government, <laughs> and uh, we would say, okay, well now they don't have a government; they have practically Brussels appointed some former Greek uh, central bank governor as prime minister, so he can't block us now. He can just say, I don't have the mandate for to block this country anymore. Let's just let it through. Let it open accession talks, but you know that never worked out that way. They never, <laughs> it's never, it was never to our benefit. We'll see if it will be with Bulgaria, but I doubt it. Exactly. Yeah, I doubt. I doubt it all. All right, it's time for our farmers' pick here on the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast, and I've got Svetlana. I've got a, a an odd one, um, sort of odd, I guess. You know, I've been doing a lot of hiking. We've talked about it here and there. I've, I, I mean, I've been hiking all my life, but I've been managing at least one good hike each month. Uh, for the past many months here. And so this caught my eye the other week. Uh, the uh, mountaineering club, uh, P.K. Lubotin, uh, mm -hmm. has just celebrated 96 years of existence, which I know is a little bit odd. Normally you celebrate 50, 75, 100. But, hey, congratulations to them uh, for uh, for uh, being around for 96 years, for, for going strong. Mm -hmm. They're founded in 1925. I think they're based in Tetovo. Uh, yep. but, um, they've got, here's an article that we'll post in the show notes. Uh, it's got some beautiful pictures and history of the club. Uh, and I have, you know, when, when I lived there, um, and next month I celebrate 25 years being with Macedonia, but when I lived there in the, in the late nineties, I did a lot of hiking, uh, especially in the sharp, sharp planina. Um, and, uh, you know, this, these are just, it reminds me just looking at these photos, just some really gorgeous places in Macedonia. And it is my intention to um, try and do more hiking there when I get some more time. So, um, 96 years to P.K. Lubotin, the Mountaineering Club in Macedonia. Congratulations to to them and to all of their members. Sure, sure. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, we covered uh, all the essentials. Uh, actually, uh, well, here's what to say. I've actually got to run and get my second shot. Right now? Really? Well, shortly, yeah. That's, that's, that's on the agenda <laughs> for this morning, so... You're still invisible, right? I'm still invisible. And after my second shot, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
I think yesterday was uh, a lesbian visibility day or something like that. So uh, how does that work? You're invisible there, visible uh, for a day and then become invisible. <laughs> I'm not really I, sure. I have no idea. So uh, anyway, I'll, uh, I will report back next time we record on how the second shot went. Excellent. And when the chip is, gets activated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Until then, take care. You too. Bye.